we are live. Welcome back to Tony and Gator vs. Evil. If you're joining us again this week, thank you. Uh, you've stuck with us so far, so you obviously must be as fucked up as us. Or uh, just not very I'm smart. Gator. Probably smart. I'm Gator. And I am Tony. That's Tony over there. I'm Tony. Super, super... Monotone. Super ecstatic about what we're going to be going oh, on. Oh, I'm with very this excited. Week. Very excited about this week. Tony, what are we talking about this week? Well, if this gives any hint at all. Well, I think if people can't catch on to the uh, the the tone or the tune or whatever of this. We're talking about Jew things. Very uh, appropriate to the podcast, Jewish uh, legends, right? I can't hear you, Tony. <laughs> I can't hear you over the metal. Ah, Jewish metal. So, well, because that would take up a lot of time in the episode, and I think that got our yeah, point across. I was fucking rocking out to that shit. If you guys uh, haven't caught on to what we're talking about today, obviously it is uh, December 11th. We are in the second night of Hanukkah, so we are going into some uh, Jewish legends and lore. You know, obviously the, the Jewish uh, religion has a lot of really cool cryptids and uh, creatures and shit. That maybe you might not even know about. Maybe some you might do, some you might I not. I know I don't. But we're going to go into them. Uh, yeah, neither neither Tony nor I knew anything about this shit. We're not Jewish. Neither of us are Jewish. But uh, <laughs> we are going to go ahead, and if, if the metal wasn't enough to give you an, a hint, we are going to make this the most brutal Hanukkah since 1945. So <laughs> let's go ahead and start with one of the, um, one of the classic classic Jewish uh, folklore creatures, and that is the golem. Tony, have you heard about the golem? I have not. Enlighten me, please. Okay, so here's the thing. As I, I, I do a lot of the research here because I'm the the, the, the paranormal nerd, <coughs> uh, and I get, I'm more like the Steve Irwin of paranormal shit, so the moment something's weird and spooky and poopy, I, I'm fucking in. Let's do this shit. All chips on the table, son. Uh, oh, there we go. So, now we're going to go into Jewish folklore here. It says, and oh, the source we're using for this is Wikipedia. I know some of you might be like, what the But t neither Tony and I are Jewish. We're both kind of idiots. I'm drunk. Wikipedia is easy. So we're going with that. If you have a problem with it, Sub your problem where the sun don't shine. Yeah. Now, I, I'll be honest with you, Tony, I, neither of us are Jewish. Neither of us have been raised in the Jewish faith. I know very little about the Jewish faith. However, upon the very brief amount of research that I've done, 
pretty fucking metal, I will say. Pretty fucking metal. I like some of this shit that I'm reading here. All right. So we're going to go into the golem. And according to Wikipedia, says, in Jewish folklore, a golem is an animated anthropomorphic being that is created entirely from inanimate matter, usually clay or mud. The word was used to mean amorphous, unformed material in psalms and medieval writing. The most famous golem narrative involves Judah Leo bin Bazel, Bazelel. I'm sorry, I fucked that name up. I'm sorry. We don't speak who... The la- we don't speak... Yeah. The late... Si- yeah, here's the... Uh, uh, t- Tony, what's your religion again? To be determined. <laughs> <laughs> to be determined. Well, I am a practicing uh, witch, so I'm, I'm going to do my best. I'm pagan, but I don't do anything about it. Oh, oh, okay, so we're both pagans. Yeah. All right. So I'm just the lazy pagans. kind. There you go. Hey, that's called that's called chaos magic, Tony. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that in another episode. So, back to the golem. In the late 16th century, a rabbi of Prague... Many tales dif- differ on how the golem was brought to life and afterward controlled. According to Moment Magazine, the quote, the golem is a highly mutable metaphor with seemingly limitless symbolism. It can be a victim or villain, Jew or non-Jew, <gasps> man or woman, or... It's a it's a ma woman. A woman. Watch out! That golem has both breasts and a penis. Run! Oh, Over no. the centuries, it has been used to con- connote connotate war, community, isolation, hope, and despair. A lot of very differing things there. Yeah. So the golems are just kind of like a whatever you want it to do kind of thing. Mm. Oh, thank God. So we're going to go into the entomology now. So the entomology of the golem, the word golem occurs once in the Bible in Psalms 139.16, which uses the word golmi. My, which translates to my golem. That effect, that that means, quote, my light form, quote, raw material, connotating the unfurnished human being before God's eyes. The Mishnah uses the term for an uncultivated person, quote. Seven characteristics are an uncultivated person, and seven in learned one. I try. I don't know what that means, but hey, we're going with it. I'm. I'm just. I'm bringing you the information. You, the listener. In uh, modern Hebrew, golem is used to mean dumb or helpless. Similarly, it is often used today as a metaphor for a mindless lunk or entity who serves a man under controlled conditions, but is hostile to him under others. Golem passed into Yiddish as goylem to mean someone who is lethargic or beneath a stupor. Huh. 
stupid golems. Oh, do you know anything about this, Tony? I did not know a bit of this. I uh, honestly couldn't find much during my research. Well, you could. I mean, I found quite a bit during my research, but I guess I knew where to research a little bit more. Apparently. Mm. Oh, sweet Jesus, that whiskey is just like, oh. I know I said this in the first episode, but it's 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 quite a lot like like when Popeye opens the can of spinach and drinks it. It's just like, oh yeah, now I can do anything. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna go into the history of the golem. This is probably gonna be a long episode because we're not even a little bit through the first cryptid of Jewish lore. But this is this is a fun one, um, and. We're going to go ahead and we're going to do a Christmas episode when it gets closer to Christmas, but it's Hanukkah, so we're doing a Hanukkah episode, and there's some cool shit to do with the Jewish tradition. So we're just going to go ahead, we're just going to fucking throw our chips on the table here. So history, the earliest stories, the oldest stories of golems date to early Judaism. In the Talmud, uh, in Sanhedrin 38b, Ah, uh, if I fuck doing that great, one up. Doing great, bud. Doing great. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> You're doing terrific. <laughs> Adam nice was executioner. created as a goal. So we're talking about Adam, the the original Adam and Eve. Adam was initially created as a golem when his dust was kneaded into a shapeless husk. <laughs> like Adam, all golems are created from mud, but by those close to divinity. But no anthropogenic golem is fully human. Early hmm. on, the main disability of the golem was its inability to speak. In Sanhedrin 65b, I gotta look this up real quick if I'm pronouncing it. This is gonna bug me if I'm not pronouncing this right. Oh, uh, uh well, uh. Didn't help, uh, did it? Uh, no, that didn't help at all. It literally just, it says, San, Sanhedrin, pronounced, and it's all Hebrew after that. I'm like, uh... <laughs> I don't speak that. Sanhedrin <laughs> 65b describes Rava creating a man, Gavra. Rava created Gavra. Okay. He sent the man to Ravzira. Ravzira spoke to him, but he did not answer. Ravzira said, You were created by the sages. Return to your dust. I miss back in these, like, old, like, middle, like, 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 Bronze Age era shit like this, right? When, like, everybody talked like fucking Gandalf. Like, I miss this shit. Like, why don't we do this now? Yeah. I would love this shit. Like, if everybody was like, if, if you were like McDonald's, and like they fucked up your order, and you'd be like, "Nay, this was not thine initial instructions. I did not request this bountiful feast that you have lain before me. I distinctly." requested a not large but not small rather petite size of 
French fries. Petite along French with fries. my along with my sauteed meat pressed between two loaves of bread with the finest cheese made from a goat. And a, a rather extravagantly sized Dr. Pepper. Could <laughs> you imagine that being your order at McDonald's? They would ask you to fucking leave. Honestly, I love it, though. <laughs> I do, too. Man, I wish we could go back to that's that That's what's shit. wrong with when the world. To like, that's what's wrong with the world. Yeah. So, uh, back to the golem. During the Middle Ages, passages from the Safer... Safer Yetzira... Doing great. Creation. Yeah, I'm trying my best here. ...were studied as a means to create and animate a golem. Although there is little in the writings of Jewish myth- mysticism that supports this belief, it was believed that golems could be activated by an ecstatic experience induced by the ritualistic use of various letters in the Hebrew alphabet, forming a shem, any one of the names of God. Oh, there's different names of God. Let's go ahead and look that up real quick here. Okay, so we have an uh, rabbinitic Judaism considers seven names of God in Judaism, because apparently one's not enough. We got to have seven. All right, so it's it, they're so holy that once written, they should not be erased. Otherwise, you will burn in Jew hell, wherever that is. Jew hell. Jew hell. That's a thing. You've got. This sounds like a super a Superman name. You've got Yuhel, which means God. Really? Eloha, yeah, Yuhel. Which is literally Y H W H L. Aloha, which is <laughs> God, but sounds like the Hawaiian greeting for hello and goodbye. Righteous, bro. The Elohim, which is God. I've heard that one before, the Elohim. I've heard that one before, but it's pretty rare that I've heard that one before. Uh, Shaddai, which means Almighty. Ichai, which means I am, and Zvei. Oh fuck! Zveot of which means of hosts. Holy shit! That's complicated, man. I need to. We look. The metal you heard earlier today was from a um a uh, Jewish metal band. Um, let me want their name real quick. Really remember. Jutalica? Uh, it was Jutalica is what Tony has dubbed them. 66 <laughs> Samus. Um, I sent them a polite request. Uh, one, or basically a polite request to join the show. Um, they did not get back in touch with me. Uh, so we are winging this as two pagans that don't have a fucking clue about what we're reading right now. <laughs> so we're going to keep continuing. Is there a better way to do um, it? Is there a better way to do it? Nope. 
A golem is inscribed with Hebrew words in some tales, for example, some versions of Kelm and Prague, as well as in Polish tales, and versions of Brothers Grimm. Good fucking news, everybody. The golem has the Little Red Riding Hood story carved into its leg. <laughs> Just in case you needed needed that to go off of. That's great. Such as the word emet, which means truth in Hebrew, written in its forehead. The golem, like fucking... Oh, it's written in its forehead like the Joker in that shitty-ass Suicide Squad movie. Could you imagine seeing a, a golem standing over Harley Quinn with Emmett written in front of his head like, <laughs> I'm not going to hurt you, or, or kill you, I'm just going to hurt you really bad, <laughs> Movie probably would have made more money at that point. The golem could then be deactivated by removing the Alpeth in Emmett. Thus changing the inscription from truth to death. Uh. <laughs> That's pretty right. fucking metal, dude. That's that, pretty that fucking was, metal. Was I gotta metal. be honest. Like, Jewish lore is pretty fucking metal. It was, right. man. It was. Mm. Alright, Rabbi Jacob Ben Shalom arrived Shalom. at Barcelona from Germany in Shalom in 1325 and remarked that the law of destruction is reversal of the law of creation. Now this is this is something that has to do with a lot of left-hand path, right-hand path, chaos magic, yada yada. This is a fucking rabbit hole we could go down for for weeks and weeks and weeks. It just this is that one sentence out of everything written here, that one sentence, we could deep dive into that for f like almost a year and still not cover every little inch of that nook and hole, nook and cranny of that nook rabbit hole. <laughs> that rabbit hole. All right. So the, that right there, it, it's it's a lot of religions pull from paganism, and a lot of paganism is based on multiple different paths. So you got We're right hand one. path, you got left hand path, you've got chaos magic. And a lot of religions, like 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 a lot of the Judeo-Christian religions, pick and choose and kind of uh, kind of pick at what they like, what they don't like from paganism. To, and that was meant during the mid during the Bronze Ages and medieval ages to try to draw pagans into like new religions, like Judaism and Christianity and Catholicism, yada 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 yada, yada and all this shit. Um. So we could deep dive into that, but that, that we would be here all fucking night, and we wouldn't even get anywhere near close to that shit. So we're going to continue on with the golem. One source credits 11th century Solomon Ibn Gabriel with creating a golem, possibly female. Guess what he made it for? Guess what he made it for, Tony? <sighs> what? Guess what he made the female golem for? Just... Just take a shot, shot in the dark. Did did he make it to to, to fuck? Close. Uh, no, he made it to do household chores. Oh, that's so much better. <laughs> he literally created a life 
a life, made it female, and this said, yeah, go do the dishes. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Solomon Ibn Gabriel, you are the 13th or the 11th century um, Al Bundy. So, prost to you. Mm. Oh, good old whiskey. <laughs> Joseph M- Delmedigo. Fuck my life. Joseph Del Medigo informs us in 1625 that many legends of this sort are currently, are current, particularly in Germany. Ratro Raggy. Oh. <laughs> the earliest known written account of how to create a golem can be found in Sodai Rizaya by Elazar Ben Judah of Worms in the late 12th and 13th of, of Worms. Century. Of worms. Now, worms. Let me look that up real quick. He is the worm it's king. A town. <laughs> worms is actually a town in Germany, and you know what's, you know what's fucking weird? I've been to this town in Germany as a kid. Worms hmm. is a city in Rhineland-Palatinat, Germany. Situated on the Upper Rhine, about 60 kilometers south-southwest of Frankfurt am Main, and approximately 82,000 inhabitants as of 2015. I have... Been, oh my god, the Lord Mayor's name is Adolf. <laughs> oh, this well gets that's... Better, better. First of all... Lord Mayor is a cool-ass title. That's better than just... Well, my name's Mayor Tim something or other. Or this Lord's... fucker can show up and be like, My name is Lord Mayor Adolf Kessel. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. <laughs> he doesn't have a Wikipedia page, by the way. <laughs> Okay, so Tony, I'm quite interested about uh, Tony. I'm quite interested here. How does one make a golem? Put some rocks together and I don't know. Throw a defibrillator on it. Creation <laughs> of a golem instructions. Let's look at this. Oh, the page isn't responding. Well, shit, fuck. Okay, let's go to a different thing here. Okay, here is how. You create a golem. Make it that these are original Hebrew instructions by Elizar of Worms during the 12th century to make a golem. So this is probably the predecessor of our uh, of our homeboy. Uh, you know. Um, oh no, this is Elizar. Never mind. Then I'm dumb. I'm just you I'm are just dumb. Dumb. Uh, I'm dumb. So making a golem. In the Middle Ages, as according to Elazar of Worms from the 12th century, there are three popular techniques during the medieval Ashkenazi Hasidic period of 1200 mid 13th century AD Germany. These steps are derived from more ancient stories. Quote To create a golem, you recite combinations that begin with the first 11 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. 
To undo this act of creation, render a golem lifeless, you recite letter combinations beginning with the second half of the Hebrew alphabet. Spread dust in which the three letters spelling ADM using Hebrew letters, the word meaning man, are written, followed by the recitation of letters. A golem emerges from the unformed dust through the power in the Hebrew letters. The origins promptly, probably much earlier than medieval times when three letters AMT, truth, are written on forehead. Golem appears when first letter is erased, leaving the word met. He is dead, which would be empty. The golem becomes lifeless. Hmm. Yeah, that's how you create a golem in the Middle Ages. Then we go on to creating hey. a golem and... Hmm? I'm going to let you ramble on real quick. I'm going to go grab a drink. Okay. Creating a golem in northern France, and this comes from the 1200 to 1250 AD, uh, Rabbi Abraham Ibn Ezra author of commentary on Sai is now lost in Sefer Ha-Hayim, the Book of Life, attributed to Rabbi Ezra, the golem is connected to the influence of the planets. The circle of special cherubim engaged in long discussions about creating golem. They also use the combination of the Hebrew letters recited the letters, along with moving in a circle around the molded dust, and destroy the golem by reciting the original combination of letters backwards and going in the opposite direction. Gershom Sholem found in a medieval MSAA version of a creation of a human by Enoch when his contemporaries pushed him to demonstrate the way of creation of man by G.G.D. Quote, He collected dust and kneaded it to bellow, and he breathed it in the spirit of life. They told him, How is it possible to do such a thing? Sit it to us by the deed of your hands in its form and structure, just as he did. And they compelled him, so that he took dust and kneaded it, and made it in the likeness of man and its image. And afterward... He breathed in it the spirit of life in order to show them the deed of the Holy One. Blessed be he. Then Satan came to show himself lie his docker in his deed. And the statuette turned alive. And a demon entered it, and all generation erred because of it. And they made it an object of 
illustrious worship. Then idolatry began to be designated by the name of God. And since then all those who sinned because of it, the statue or perhaps he that is Enosh, makes statues in the image of man. Cholum, idea of the golem, 402. Jesus Christ. I like that I like that it rhymes at the end. The Sholem idea of the golem. Uh Rabbi Elazar of Worms and Abu Lafia had two distinct steps in crea- in the creation process. Step number one the combination of the alphabets, two hundred and thirty one gates. Step number two and the combination of the letters of the divine name, four-letter name of God, Yahweh, or Yiv. There may also be a third step to combine the alphabets with the combinations of the divine name. The v- divine name has a special connection with infusing vitality, the Hiyut and soul, the Nishama. And that... How you make a golem? Ladies and gentlemen, well, if you could, if you could decipher what that shit says, you could probably make yourself a golem. Although, I mean, if you were like, if you were anything like my boy there, that uh, uh, if you're anything like my boy, like Solomon Ibn Gabriel there, uh, creating a golem just to do fucking household chores, you might want to listen up on this shit, man. Get your get your fucking rugs vacuumed, your dishes done, all right. Get your floors mopped, your bed made while you're at work all day long. That would be the shit right there. All right, listen up here, cause the Jews have it down with this golem. All right, this golem is the shit, and you can make one yourself. Just figure it out. There's easier things to make than a golem. So, uh, I figure we've talked about a golem for long enough. Probably. Uh, you've been going on about golems for 30 minutes. Well, we're going to move on to another cryptid of the uh, Jewish faith. And this is a neat one I like. It's called the Witch of Indoor. Once again, we're using Wikipedia as a source here because we're dumb as shit. In the Hebrew Bible, the witch of Endor is a woman, Saul, consulted to summon the spirit of prophet Samuel in the 28th chapter of the first book of Samuel. So, okay. In order to receive advice against the Philistines in battle, after his prior attempts to consult God through sacred lots and prophets had failed. First Samuel twenty-eight three through twenty-five. Canuck, oh my God! Why do we come up with words like this? Deuterocanonical Book of Sirach forty-six nineteen through twenty. Fuck. Later, Christian theology found trouble with this passage as it appeared to imply that the witch had 
summon the spirit of Samuel, and therefore necromancy and magic were possible. Well, motherfucker, what do you think goddamn Jesus was doing when he turned water into wine, you bitch? (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. Is bringing people back from the dead and doing magic too much for a Christian to believe? Wow! (laughs) I like that the... I like that uh, Wikipedia provide the occupation of the witches Endor as both a necromancer and mediumship. I, I, I take some classes from the witch of Endor if she fucking offered them. Yeah, oh, I want to fucking be able to. I want to be a necromancer. That'd be cool as shit, man. All right, so the entomology. She is called in biblical biblical Hebrew. Biblically. Uh, Okay, I'm going to do my best here. Aset Baalet Abendor. You're doing terrific. Listen, God damn it. Listen, God damn it. All right, if there's any Jewish people listening to this, please listen to me right now. Simplify your language. I've, I've read Tolkien when I was a child. That made more logical sense to me. I read fucking Tolkien Elvish as a child. And that made more fucking sense to me than whatever the fuck hobbly gobgoopty shit you just fucking told me. Apparently, sit by a lot of indoor means a woman possessor of an ob whatever an ob is at indoor so apparently this is a fucking witch that lives on a planet with a bunch of fucking bears in Star Wars <laughs> apparently Star Wars has always been in the Jewish fa- uh, Jewish faith <laughs> is is, Jude- oh, is, is Judaism uh, becoming more uh, appealing to you Mm-mm. simply because I can't pronounce any of this shit <laughs> I can only imagine trying to do a bar mitzvah at fucking mid-30s and trying to read that shit. Like, I would, I would legitimately be like, uh, uh, said uh, 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 Alright, well, uh, we're good now, right? Right? Right, Rabbi? (laughs) Right? No? Oh, fuck me. The word ob... Pour some more whiskey. Oh, that's the last of my whiskey. I'm not getting any till tomorrow. We're only on our second cryptid. The word ob has been suggested by Harry Hoffner to refer to a ritual pit for summoning the dead. From the netherworld. That's pretty fucking... Whoa, that's pretty metal. A fucking necromancer witch over a pile of dead bodies? Like, summoning the dead from the netherworld? That's cool as shit, dude. It is. What the fuck? The Jews have been holding out on us here, man. Like, this shit's cool. 
All right. So, uh, based on parallels of other Near Eastern and Mediterranean cultures, the word has cognates in other regional languages, uh, Sumerian and Akkadian, Hittite and Ugaritic. The Witch of Endor's ritual has parallels in Babylonian and Hittite magical texts as well as the Odyssey. Other suggestions for definition of Ab include a familiar spirit, a talisman, wineskin, or a reference to ventriloquists. <laughs> no. <laughs> the witch is just sitting there over a pile of dead bodies. And she's just got a kid's corpse <sighs> propped up on her knee, just like, Oh, dear! The, the king is gonna die of syphilis next week! <laughs> She's just drinking a glass of water while she does her fucking ventriloquist dead kid's body. <laughs> uh, that's messed up. Oh my god, this is cool as shit. God damn, why couldn't Christianity be as cool as this shit? I have no Christianity clue, man. Was all, or, I'm sorry, Catholicism at least was all like, Oh, you you have bad thoughts, and you need to feel bad about those thoughts. Like, Judaism's over here like, hey, we got a witch above a fucking pile of dead bodies, and she's got a fucking kid strapped to her shoulder, and she's using that bitch like, uh... Puppet. Fucking, like, howdy doody. <laughs> Judaism is. Uh, I was giving you a chance there to to cue in there, Tony. Well, I'm slow and rather tired, so I may miss cues. You're good. <laughs> I've been doing mechanic work today. All right. Well, the witch also claims to see Elohim rising. Remember, Elohim is quote unquote God. So she apparently can see God arising from the ground using the word typically translated as, quote, God or gods, which makes it, are Jewish people polytheists instead of monotheists? Because here's the thing, that does say God, but it does have the S parentheses. <gasps> oh, man. Bum, bum, bum. We're, we're... And this is why it would have been great to have an actual Jewish person on the show because we're dumb as shit and we don't know anything about Jewish the Jewish faith. Come on, Jew so we're just, we're just yeah, we're not we're not Jutalica. We we whispered Jutalica on 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 Facebook and they decided to not answer us, which is probably a good good career move on their part. Good choice. I will be honest. So good choice, uh, Jutalica. Uh, to refer to the spirits of the dead, this is also paralleled by the use of Akkadian cognate word ilu, which means God, in similar fashion. In the Greek Septuagint, she is called Jesus Christ. What is that? She is called Engastrimethos in Endor while the Latin Vulgate as Pythonum in 
Endor, both the terms ref referencing then contemporary pagan or oracles. <laughs> Bitch, what? Who knows, man? I don't even fucking know. So we're going to go to the, inter the Jewish interpretations of the Witch of Endor here. The Yalkut Shimoni in the 11th century identifies the anonymous witch as the mother of Abner, based upon the witch's claim to have seen something, and Saul having heard a disembodied voice. The Yalkut suggests that necromancers are able to see the spirits of the dead, but are unable to hear their speech, while the person for whom the deceased was summoned, summoned hears the voice, but fails to see anything. Hmm. Yeah, here's the weird thing too, is because I worked in I work I've worked in one of those haunted cities in, cities in America, and I used to see fucking like apparitions all the damn time. So does that mean I'm a necromancer? Yep, I say we call it official. Uh, all right. Well, I am officially taking the title of necromancer. That's going to go on my resume. All right, all sweet. Right. So, I hire you. Uh, Gator ne professional necromancer. Okay, we're putting that on there. I'd hire you. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, you already have hired me, and that's why we're doing this podcast. Uh, technically, um, we're co-owners. <laughs> well, yeah. We we are. Look, we are both sinking this ship as fast as we can. <laughs> you're you're drilling holes it, in look, the bottom. I'm pulling it in by the bucketful. If anything, if, if if anything, all right, we can go to one of those weird, like third party Republican fucking uh, websites and shit, and stream on there. <laughs> stream what it to neo Nazis. <laughs> right? What is it? Parlor. 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 We'll stream on Parlor or whatever the fuck that stupid shit is. We'll get we'll get some views on that shit. We're we're not about anything mm. political, but. They won't fuck it if if they let if they let us tell Jew jokes we'll go there. They uh they probably won't like our our pagan our paganism. Well, they could suck they could suck it up Buttercup. Yep. So here's the thing. This is this comes from the Calmet chapter seven on magic. This is Judaism the the Judaism interpretation on the witch here right the witch of Endor. The Israelites went sometimes to consult Beelzebub, god of Ekron, to know if they should recover from their sickness. The history of the evocation of Samuel by the witch of Endor is well known. I am aware that some difficulties are raised concerning this history. I shall deduce nothing from it here except that this woman passed for a witch that Stahl esteemed her as such, and that this prince had exterminated the magicians in his own states, or at least that he had not permit them to exercise their art. Oof. And then the next paragraph comes from chapter 40 of the Kalmet. The Jews of our days believe that after the body of man is interred, his spirit goes and comes and departs from the spot where it is destined to visit his body and to know what passes around him that is wandering during a whole year after the death of the body and that it was during that year of delay that 
pythoness of Endor evoked the soul of Samuel, after which the time the evocation would have had no power over his spirit. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum. Whatever the fuck that means. That is the Witch of Endor. That is another character from Jewish mythology. Jew characters. Uh, what do you think about that? Jew characters. Yeah, we're going. We're going. We're going Jewy with it. I think they're getting pretty. They're uh, they're they're holding strong on their folklore. Mm. Well, here's another one from the Jewish folklore. Asmodeus. Uh, Hail Satan. Wrong religion there, Gator. Uh, wait till you hear this shit. Asmodeus, uh, is prince of demons, or in Judeo-Islamic lore, not Judeo-Christian, Judeo-Islamic lore, the king of the earthly spirits. Mostly known from Deuterocanical Book of Tobit, in which he is the primary antagonist so this is the bad guy from that book, the Book of Tobit, right? Mm-hmm. So the Book of Tobit was the Lord of the Rings, as Modius would be fucking Sauron, trying to get that fucking ring, right? Now, I don't know if that made it made it better for you, Tony, or not. I don't know if you're. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you read, read Tolkien. Somewhat. In the Binsfield classification of demons, as Modius represents. Life. The demon is also mentioned in some Talmudic legends. For instance, in the story of the consecration of the Temple of Solomon. Oh, oh. that he consecrated that temple. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was supposed by some Renaissance Christians to be the king of the nine hells. Asmodeus also re- is referred to as one of the seven princes of hell. In Binsfield classification of demons, each one of these princes represented one of the seven deadly sins. Lust, gluttony, greed, sloth, wrath, envy, and pride. I'm guilty of all those. Right? Hail Satan. Alright, I figure if we're going to go to hell anyways, we may as well fucking get a job while we're at it. Yeah. Seems reasonable. Yeah, that's what... That's why I'm like, yeah, hell, Satan. Yeah, yeah gotta, gotta, gotta put in, gotta put in a good word with the boss. Figure I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be going that way myself anyway. So, fuck it, might as well. So, uh, Asmodeus here sounds like a, uh, well, apparently he is the representative of lust. However, if you see his picture, not Dude. sure anyone wants to bang Asmodeus. Not a. Uh... Not a looker, huh? No, he's definitely not a looker. So we've got, like, lion claws, we've got dragon wings, we've got a moose head, we've got a bat human head with a crown, we've got a goat head, we've got a lion head on a snake neck coming out. Yeah, that's not really something you want. you're going to want to... Uh, I mean, you're not going to look at Asmodeus in a club and be like, oh, yeah, that's what I want to go home with tonight. Like, 
that's not going to happen. <laughs> Maybe in the fucking 12th century, whenever this fucker was relevant, but... <laughs> so, uh, we're going to go in the entomo- entomology of Asmodeus here. The, the name Asmodai is believed to derive from Avestan language, Asmodevi, where Asmay means wrath, and Devi signifies demon. While the Devi Asmay is thus Zorothrasnium's demon of wrath, it and is also well attested as such. The compound Asmodevi is not attested in scripture. It is nonetheless likely that such a form did exist, and that the book of Tobit's Asmodeus and the Talmans Ashmadai reflect it. And the Zoroastrian and Middle Persian demonology, there did exist the conjunction form Kashim Dev, where the word Dev means the same as Devai. Which, if you don't remember Devai, you remember as this demon. Uh. The spellings, the spellings Asmodai, Asmodi, Osmodius, and Osmodai have also been used. The name is alternatively spelled in the bastardized forms based on basic. Con- consonants SMD Hashmodai, which is also pronounced Hashmodai, Hashmodai, Kashmodai, and Kashmodai. Hamadai, also, oh my god, I don't fucking care. Some traditions have subsequently identified Shamdon as the father of Asmodeus. Okay. The Jewish Encyclopedia of 1906 rejects the otherwise accepted entomological relation between the Persian Ashmadavai and Judaism's Ashmodai, claiming that the particle Davai could not have become Dai, and that Ashmadavai, as such a compound name, never appears in Persian sacred text. Still, the Encyclopedia proposes that Ash Asmodeus from the Apocrypha and the Testaments of Solomon are not only related somewhat to Ashma, but have similar behavior, appearance, and role. To conclude, an other article under the entry Ashma in the paragraph influence of Persian belief on Judaism. That Persian Zoroastrian beliefs could have heavily influenced Judaism's theology on the long term, bearing in mind that in some texts there are crucial conceptual differences, while in others there seems to be a great deal of similarity. Proposing a pattern of influence over folks believed that would extend further to the mythology itself. However, the Jewish Encyclopedia asserts that though Ashma does occur in the Avesta in conjunction with Deva, it is probably that a fuller form such as Eshmodeos has existed. Since it is 
paralleled by the latter Pahlavi form, Kashmdev. Furthermore, it is stated that Asmodeus, or Asmodai, embodies an expression of the influence that the Persian religion, or Persian popular belief, had, have exer- exercised on the Jewish. Man, this religion is complicated. Old. This religion is very complicated. It hurts my brain. Yeah, it definitely hurts my brain as well. Alright, so let's go ahead and we're gonna go ahead and um We're gonna go ahead and leave that as Asmodeus. We're gonna move on to another cryptid, one that How many how many more personal- do you have? Three more. Uh how long were we gonna do this? One? I could skip one. We're at like fifty two uh, minutes. Yeah, it's gonna be a long episode, I told you this. It's the Hanukkah episode, goddammit. Let, let, let me cancel some plans. <laughs> expect the expect the Christmas episode to be long, too. I think maybe we do maybe one or two more. What? So I think maybe we do one or two more. <laughs> well, next week we're going to do a different episode. Yeah. I'm aware. And the week after that, it's Christmas. But I figure we I figure we would record it like Thursday, like Christmas Eve. That way we can have Christmas off. Yeah. I mean, that's up to you. I mean, obviously, these podcasts aren't too long, too bad to record, though. So. No, but you where know, are we at just, so far? We're at fifty-three minutes. Uh, but I've also have to get up early tomorrow and go back and do more mechanicing and. You're good. Had other stuff to do. So if that's the case, what we'll do is we'll skip to the we'll skip the last two. We'll go to the third one that I have, which is the the king of Jewish folklore, the one that I am personally very invested in, very much enjoy. You know it, I know it. Zach, all Zach know it. Baggins apparently knows it because he bought the bitch. <laughs> the Dybbuk Box. Oh, yeah. <coughs> Fuck. That one hurt a little bit there, the bud. The Dybbuk Box. A little bit there. I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm, pretty, I'm on my last glass of whiskey here that I actually have in the house. The Dybbuk Box. Or Dybbuk Box. In Hebrew, romanticized. Kefuset. In case you're trying to pick up a chick with a dipic box at the bar. You just walk up to her and be like, Oi, baby. Y amo es. Sure. <laughs> well, apparently the dipic box is a wine box, which is said to be haunted by a dipic. And what is a Dybbuk, Tony? An evil spirit. Right? Yeah. A Dybbuk is a restless, usually malicious spirit believed to be able to haunt and even possess the living. The box gained notoriety when it was auctioned on eBay with an accompanying horror story written by Kevin Manis. And is the original inspiration for the 2012 film The Possession. So the legend and history behind the Dybbuk box. 
The term Dybbuk box was first created and used by Kevin Manis to describe a wine cabinet in the, in the item information for an eBay auction. And as the subject of his original story describing paranormal events, which he attributed to the box, Manis, a writer and creative professional by trade, owned a small antiques and furniture refinement. Uh, ref- refinishing business in Portland, Oregon at this time. Well, I'm glad he doesn't own it now, because that shit will be burned the fuck down. (laughs) According to Manus' story, he bought the box at an estate sale in 2001. It had belonged to a survivor of the Holocaust in Poland named Havalia, who had escaped to Spain and purchased it there before her immigration to the United States. Havalia's granddaughter told Manis that the box had been bought in Spain after the Holocaust. You just said that. Upon hearing that the box was a family heirloom, Manis offered to give the box back to the family. But the granddaughter insisted that he take it, (laughs) saying that the family did not want the box. She told him that the box had been kept in her grandmother's sewing room and was never opened because of the Dybbuk was said to live inside of it. Upon opening the box, Manus wrote that he found that it contained two 1920s pennies, a lock of blonde hair with a cord, a lock of black-brown hair bound with the cord, a small statue engraved with the Hebrew word shalom, <laughs> a small golden wine goblet, one dried rosebud, and a single candle holder with four octopus-shaped legs. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. Numerous owners of the box have reported that strange phenomena accompany it. Manus wrote that he experienced a series of horrific nightmares shared with other people while they were in possession of the box or when they stayed at his home while he had it. His mother suffered a stroke on the same day he gave her the box as a birthday present. October 31st. Fucking Halloween! You sound pretty excited Happy about birthday, that one, Happy birthday, Mom. I know it's Halloween. Here's a fucking demon in a box. Have fun. Bye. Jeez. Some... Every owner of the box, huh? Some people, man. Some people are the worst gift givers. This motherfucker knew he had a demon in a box, waited until his mom's birthday, which was Halloween, and gave it to his mom as a present for Halloween, which was her birthday. This asshole. Jesus. Every owner of the box has reported that smells of cat urine or jasmine flowers and nightmares involving an old hag accompany the box. There's probably a reason the nightmares of the old old hag don't show up anymore. Probably because a lot of the, you sick fuckers out there would probably fetishize that old hag. So the moment that old hag shows up like, I've come to claim your soul. You'd be like, Yuff, Yuff Queen. People are weird. <laughs> That's one of the, when you fucking freaked out demons. You people are fucked. 
Just let yeah, you know. You people put a niche on the roof of my mouth that only a shotgun could scratch. Exactly. Lucif Nietzsche, a student of Truman State University in Kirksville, Missouri. Motherfucker, is that your name, really? I pity your fucking teacher having to goddamn do roll call. That fucking teacher sitting there like, James Donner. Alright. Kevin Spacey. Okay. La. 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 Losef Niaizka. Are you here? Do you exist, motherfucker? Are you just a joke? You real? <laughs> you real? Well, apparently this fucker bought the box on eBay, claimed that the box caused lights to burn out in his house and his hair to fall out. Uh, sounds like Jason cancer. Jason Haxton. Sounds like cancer. Jason Haxton, director of the Museum of Osteopathic Medicine in Kirksville, Missouri, had been following Nitsky's blogs regarding the box, and when he was ready to be rid of the box, Nitsky sold it to Haxton. Haxton wrote the Dybbuk box and claimed that he subsequently developed strange health problems, including hives, coughing up blood, and head-to-toe Welts. <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude. Why you would know, you buy that shit? I don't think this was just any Jewish Dybbuk box. I think this was a secret uh, Nazi experimental radioactive box. They just put like a piece of kryptonite crypt in there. Yeah, just the whole box is made of like, uranium 231. <laughs> Fucking Jews over there like... Uh, Oh, the, or the fucking the, the the Germans are they like? Oh, you just want to make sex? There's a Superman and your comic books. Okay, well we put the kryptonite in this epic box. Enjoy this. Yes, this will make you a real Superman. <laughs> super duper <laughs> Superman. So, Haxton consulted with rabbis, Jewish religious leaders. If you didn't know this. To try to figure out a way to seal the Dybbuk box, the, the Dybbuk in the box again. Apparently successful, he took the freshly resealed box and hid it in a secret location, which he would not reveal. Oh, here we go. He later donated the box to Zach Baggins of Ghost Adventures to display in his museum. Zach Baggins. Zach Baggins. You tap... Uh, Tony, I don't know. I'm gonna go on here as 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 part of the Tony and Gator, as co-founder of the Tony and Gator versus Evil podcast. I'm just gonna go ahead and say, Zach Baggins, uh, Gator of the Tony and Gator po- versus versus Evil podcast, at least says, "Go fuck yourself. <laughs> go fuck yourself with a fucking goddamn uh, uh 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 stun gun in the mouth, if you could. Jeez, dude. just just." Suck start a shotgun, Zach Baggins, you fucking oh. pretentious, whiny ass little bitch. If you could just if you could just Kurt Cobain yourself out of life here, that'd be great. That'd be great. You oh. fucking goddamn Dude. bastard sitting there making every goddamn paranormal entity a fucking mockery and sitting there literally screeching at everything that fucking makes a bump in the night that let that it's a 
demon. Go fuck off, you fucking fart-huffing, self-flagellating bitch. God. Dude. Yeah, I'm on my last glass of, glass of whiskey, so. Yeah. Tony, what do you think of Zach Baggins? Uh, not great. <laughs> All right. I'm that I'm not I'm not going to go as far as you did, but you summed up my opinion as well. You're good. That's good. It's bad too because like I do like watching Ghost Adventures just because like I like the other guys. It's entertaining. It is. The other guys in the group are like they're like actually generally interested. They're generally like down to earth. They really want to like like see what experience, what evidence there is and shit. And then here comes fucking Zach Baggins, who should fucking hang himself. And, um... Oh, the, in Minecraft, I mean. Yeah, quote-unquote. Yeah, yeah. Um... And, uh, he, here he comes in like, like, Is the spirit a demon? And then everybody he's fucking interviewing goes, No, like... A glass moved across the bar. Like, that's all it's done. That sounds like demon it, paranormal shit to me. You sound like you're being possessed by a demon to hide the demon's activity. Zach Baggins has the fucking world's tiniest micro dick hard on for demons. I'll tell you two paranormal shows, or at least two of the ones that uh, I enjoyed that were around the same thing. Uh, it was, par- was Paranormal State, uh, which, holy crap, I went digging to try and figure out what happened to Paranormal State. That's a rabbit hole. Uh, and uh, what was the one uh, that had where they went and uh, checked out like all the abandoned factories and asylums and stuff? Uh, it was on not long ago, like like a few years. The maybe. one I like watching is um, Ghost Brothers, which is like the three black dudes that go into, into haunted places and, and investigate shit. That shit's funny as fuck. I love watching that shit. Yeah, I can't remember what the one I was talking about was called. It, was the, it had the Tennessee Wraith Chasers, but anyway. I don't know which one you're talking about. I, I remember there was one that was like a, a bayou ghost hunting team and they had like an old man with like a voodoo staff and shit <laughs> I remember that shit and he, he had like a chicken farm where he was like pulling pulling feathers and shit off the chickens to like putting his bags and shit on his staff and whatnot. and he's like it's gonna help us with them with them spooky spokes it's like hey uh so uh, real quick I know we're getting off track another good one was uh, that I enjoyed anyway was Mountain Monsters it wasn't nearly as serious as everything else but it was entertaining like anyway I will say one of my one of my favorite paranormal shows of all time is still Paranormal Caught on Tape I do like yeah. it a lot yeah okay so to close us off uh, with the Divic Box Skeptic Chris, Chris Finch oh, head of animalistic physiology research unit at Goldsmith College told in an interview he believed that the box's owners were, quote, already primed to be looking out for bad stuff. <laughs> if you believe you have been cursed, then inevitably you will you explain the bad stuff that happens in terms of what you perceive to the co- to be the cause. To put it like this, I would be happy happy to own this object 
The term is now used to refer to any box supposedly holding as a Dybbuk. So the person that originally bought this box just thought it was a fucking wine box, dude. He didn't think it was... He didn't think it had a fucking demon... Nobody's at a garage sale like, Yeah, this box right here might look like a wine box. <laughs> and it ain't no wine box. That box right there... That box right there, that's some bitch about $25. You want that some bitch? All right, here you go. That's yours. I'll take $15 for it. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Best. That That is... You know what? I'm going looking for a Divic box now. There's plenty of them on eBay. And if you listening at home want to look up for a Divic box, there's plenty of them on Amazon and on eBay. And tell us the stories about it before it kills you. Yes, there's plenty of like YouTubers that have bought divot boxes off of uh, Amazon that broken seals and open it up. There's one that I saw that broke the seal and immediately had like shit in his background falling off his walls and shit. I watched that one. It was cool as shit. So, um, where are we at so far, Tony? Uh, Time-wise, we're at an hour and nine minutes. Excellent, excellent. So this seems about a good time to close out our uh, Hanukkah special. We didn't get to all the things I wanted to cover, but uh, we did do a Hanukkah special. We did do a, a bunch of uh, Jewish lore and legends. Um, Tony, do you have anything to say? Well, uh, I would just like to go ahead and say there is always next Hanukkah. Uh, Hanukkah. Hanukkah. Oh, man. I I don't want to be that guy, but I hate Hebrew. I just hate the language. So, so, uh, you just gotta like, as you just gotta like pretend you're a gremlin, you or gotta, like a little goblin, and you be like, other people's money. <laughs> yes, uh, we. Hmm. This was an interesting episode, nonetheless, even though oh. Judaism is apparently very detailed, but also very bland at the same time about their... We didn't get into the half of Judaism's uh, uh, shit here. Like, we we're gonna definitely going to have to save some of their cryptids for next year, because, god damn, there's a lot of them. And... The thing is, like, like there's they put so much detail into them too. Like, look, we spent thirty minutes on one. Mm-hmm. Mm. The golem was, yeah, the golem the is golem. the most. Uh, the golem is the most iconic uh, Jewish lore here. And I didn't even know it existed. Yeah. I found a Dybbuk box. How much? Oh no, I found a book. I found a book on a book on the Dybbuk box. Uh. That was what that show was called, Ghost Asylum. Mm. Yeah, Buy a Dybbuk Box eBay. Dybbuk Box 2 Entities Enclosed. <laughs> uh, this has two entities enclosed in it. They're selling it for $222. This, uh, and it's apparently it's a little box sealed with wax. Yeah, it apparently has. Two entities enclosed inside of it. I, uh, warning, do not open! This Dybbuk box contains dangerous and hostile demonic entities. 
I am a psychic medium. I offer safekeeping for unwanted and possessed items. I need to get rid of it ASAP. These demonic entities are known to manifest as one male and one female. The male has a strong, aggressive, overwhelming presence, while the female appears to be more subtle. Reports of burns, scratches being grabbed. Well, it wasn't... Objects uh... Objects being thrown, as well as auditory and physical manifestations. Don't threaten me with a good time. (laughs) this box is sealed in wax only to be opened at your own risk since the box has been in my possession we have experienced hearing voices footsteps, shuffling feelings of being pulled or grabbed hair specifically doors have opened and closed on their own objects in my home have been knocked over slash broken unexplainably and there is often uncomfortable feeling of being watched. Buyer assumes all responsibility if they choose to open the box. No returns or refunds. Once I became in possession of the box, I list my personal experience. It is then placed in a physically and spiritually protective, protected storage container to protect myself and others. I chose not to further discuss the box for my protection, but I need to be rid of it ASAP. Please see post if you have any questions. I think I had an aneurysm listening to that. You know what's weird? Mm. So the way that sounds, right, you would assume there's one Dybbuk box that they're selling for $220, right? How many is there? It's a vintage item. It's a, it's highlights as vintage, but from before 1700. So we're talking like Middle Ages shit, right? That oh, they're boy. selling for $220. There's about like, there's 12 pages of five-star reviews. <laughs> yeah. First, first review. Came in a very timely manner, packaged with care. Haven't experienced anything yet. Happy with my purchase. You literally bought a fucking wooden box whacked for it all over it, dude. I was about to say the same thing. You could have gone to fucking Michael's and made this box for $20. Could have really... Second... Really, you could have got the stuff anywhere, man. (laughs) I'm gonna look at uh I'm gonna look at look at some one star reviews here. Okay, here we go. One star review. I was not aware that this was a child sized mask and the seller does not do returns or refunds. I am absolutely disappointed because I wasted my money <coughs> completely. The seller should specify that not all of the masks are adult size. Now I will have to find another mask in order to begin the waiting game yet again. Okay. What what fucking mask? We were selling a Dybbuk box. Is there a mask in the box? Let's see what other one-star reviews we got. We got a lot of five-star reviews. Cloth mask reusable. Apparently this Dybbuk box contains a bunch of cloth masks. Apparently fucking demons... We're ready for COVID. <laughs> In the Middle Ages. In the Middle Ages. 
these remember these demons are from 1700 by the way beautiful beautiful Jesus Christ uh apparently it's got a fuck ton of five star reviews here we go here's a one star review the glass was wrapped well so it wouldn't break while shipping however Upon unwrapping, I find the letters are peeling off, and nothing makes them stick back in place. The lettering looks terrible as... Cheap wine glass. I honestly could have been... It could have been something similar myself. Would not recommend. Apparently there's wine glasses that come in this box along with masks so I guess they're just selling like a legitimate wine box they're they're selling a fucking wooden box covered in wax for twelve hundred for for two hundred and twenty two dollars saying it dates back from before the 1700s and claiming it can it contains face masks and wine glasses and also a demon apparently a male and female demon. Man, you're getting a lot of stuff with this one. Uh, I'm I, that. That's all I had. Uh, Tony, go ahead and close this out here because oh Jesus Christ, I I, I can't. All right. Uh. Thanks for sticking around this long if you did. Don't know why you did if you did, but uh, if you did, you did, so good job. Uh, that's a lot of the word did. Um, you can check out our Patreon if you see if you want to see more or listen to more uh, of this mess, which is patreon.com slash Tony and Gator vs. Evil, just the way the podcast name is spelled. Uh, Shalom, Shalom, Mazel Tov, whatever the other Jew words, and thanks for listening.